Welcome to TKG's Healthcare Insights, where we explore healthcare's critical issues, challenges, and trends with a focus on achieving the quadruple aim of enhancing patient experience, improving population health, reducing costs, and improving the work life of healthcare providers and staff. TKG empowers life science companies to effectively engage with health system and payer customers by developing strategies and real-world solutions aimed at impacting the right patient at the right time with the right care. We also work directly with health systems and payers to address the critical issues of our time. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome. We're glad to have you listening today. I'm Warren Smedley with the Kinetics Group. Unfortunately, there are some issues in healthcare that seem to get ignored or simply don't get discussed appropriately, and today's topic is just one of these challenging issues. My special guests today are Mindy Oliveras, Vice President of Innovation at the Kinetics Group, and Michaela Bedard, the Executive Director of Period, a nonprofit that aims to support individuals affected by challenging menstrual cycle issues. Welcome, Mindy and Michaela. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Warren. Good to be here. Thanks, Warren. I'm happy to be here. Terrific. Okay, Mindy, I'm going to turn things over to you and let you lead the discussion. Thank you, Warren. And thank you again, Michaela, for making the time to speak with us. I'm Mindy Oliveras. And in addition to being Vice President of Innovation at the Kinetics Group, I also have the distinct pleasure to co-lead the Women's Health Research Collaborative, where we seek to understand the impact of women's health conditions through patient-centered research and really look to raise awareness of these conditions by addressing the burden and sparking transformation to engage and empower women. Most recently, I had the privilege of co-producing a webinar with our Women's Health Research Collaborative Chair, Dr. Malcolm Monroe, and his esteemed colleague, Dr. Richard Derman, on the impact of iron deficiency related to reproductive health and quality of life. Today, I'm honored to continue the conversation with our special guest, Michaela, we're really excited to learn more about period, as well as the ways that you can help those who are disproportionately affected by period poverty, and how you're supporting local efforts for menstrual equity through the distribution of menstrual products, promotion of your youth leadership programs, as well as how period champions menstrual equity and policy. Welcome, Michaela. Thank you so much for having me, Mindy. I'm looking forward to talking to you and your audience. Wonderful. Well, let's get started with an easy one. How was PERIOD started and what unmet need does it help women address? PERIOD was founded in 2014, actually by young people, uh, by high schoolers here in our uh, headquartered town of Portland, Oregon, who were made aware of the real unaddressed crisis of period poverty. So period poverty is the inability to afford menstrual products due to economic conditions, right? Needing to make a choice between menstrual products and other essential goods. So period is in its eighth year, uh, and we have now turned into a global nonprofit. We have 400 volunteer period chapters around the world, most of them run by young students, anywhere from middle school through college and some young professionals. And we aim to distribute millions of menstrual products annually. We provide curriculum on menstrual health and how to fight period poverty. And we fight for what we call menstrual equity policies, right? Which is the effort to make menstrual products more affordable and accessible at all levels of civic engagement and involvement. 
That's quite an impact. And just to kind of bring it home for our listeners, can you tell us about how many participants are able to benefit from period? Tens of thousands, if not millions, when you consider the policies that we work towards. When we talk about period chapters, we're talking about student-led chapters that often exist in school with maybe about a dozen students leading those efforts on their campus to try to get period products in their bathrooms and engage their local communities about the impact of period poverty. Um, But when you talk about the impact that menstrual equity policy has, we talk about things like Uh, repealing taxes on menstrual products where 22 states in the U.S. still consider them and tax them as luxury items um, to other policies like mandating them in schools and public places like shelters, prisons, libraries, community centers. So a lot of people are impacted by this work. We're mostly focusing on folks who live in the margins, folks who live in poverty and deep poverty, and are impacted by an inability to get these products and a lack of education around menstrual health. So, Michaela, what's the real impact to the individual, their family, and the broader community for those who are suffering with period poverty? Well, in addition to the healthcare impact, like we've talked about, it really affects one's lifestyle. Without access to period products to help them manage their period, in a safe, clean, and healthy way, they experience absenteeism from school, lack of engagement in extracurricular activities, more difficulty going to work, more difficulty standing and moving at work, uh, more difficulty with transit to work. So this is a lifestyle issue. It is an economic issue. It really exists at the intersection of economic injustice, and gender justice. So there's a lot of ways to look at period poverty uh, and a lot of ways to solve it. But primarily, it is destigmatizing the issue, making sure that everyone has access to products every month when they need it, and that those products are affordable. Thank you so much for asking the lifestyle question. I think sometimes we fall into this trap of wanting a clinical answer or diagnosis to someone not being able to access something. When you look at the broader lifestyle impact, you know, an inability to feel dignified in those days of the month, an inability to have access to clean and safe water, um, to take care of the laundry required to manage one's menstruation, um, the impacts are far ranging. And so our goal is to solve this crisis in our lifetime so that everyone can live to their full potential. That was not only a wonderful answer, I just I mean, it was just everything you just talked about is so real life right now. So thank you. And imagine if that was every month, right? So this is one of the reasons why right. we just need them in schools. We need them accessible mm-hmm. and affordable. It, it's not a heavy lift. We can afford this. We can do this. We do it with toilet paper and soap and shampoo all the time. And, you know, it's just, it's critical to involvement in our lives yeah. and education and dignity. Yeah. So Michaela, you talked a little bit around stigma and quality of life. Um, want to bring in the other 50%. So how do we bring men uh, into the conversation to really help support that momentum towards destigmatizing menstrual health and helping women navigate so that it is seen more as a, a manageable aspect of life because you have partners alongside you? It is a manageable aspect of life. You know, one of the things we always say at period is 
you either came from menstruation or you live with someone who experiences menstruation, right? Everyone in the world has touched menstruation somehow. And so this is not just an issue for women and girls. This is an issue for all people who menstruate or have menstruated or anyone who interacts with women and girls. The same way that all health and hygiene affects all of our culture and community, so does menstruation. And so what can men do? They can learn about this. They can learn about what products are required to keep people healthy and safe each month. They can donate to places like period.org. They can enhance menstrual equity in their workplace. What do I mean by that? They can advocate for free period products in the bathrooms of their workplace. They can make sure that their workplace acknowledges period discomfort as a reason for flexible work time and PTO. They can understand that menstrual discomfort affects frontline workers that often need to use their bodies every day in their employment and make sure that they're allowing for flexibility around that. If they have any policy level decision making, they can make sure that menstrual products in their market or their jurisdiction are affordable. If they work at the city or county level, they can make sure that they're at women's shelters, they're at community centers, libraries, public pools anywhere you interact with government. This is an affordable and accessible way to help people. And it's something that we can all take responsibility for. You know, one of the benefits of working in this field is that we know it's solvable, right? All we have to do is provide more products and be able to talk about it. So everyone can do that. This is not only an issue that belongs to women and girls. I love your community approach as well as bringing them in, not only um, as individuals, but part of the broader roles that we all play uh, in the community as, as husbands, as partners, as employers. Thank you for that. Recognizing that periods influence is so robust and the fact that the most recent webinar that I alluded to earlier really starts to uncover some of the challenges related to heavy menstrual bleeding, as well as its impact and connection to iron deficiency and anemia. I wanted to ask you, in viewing that webinar, what did you see as the most critical information shared that you think would speak most to your members? I think it's really important that the idea of stigma and privacy were brought up uh, by the folks hosting the webinar and basically saying, one of the reasons that iron deficiency due to heavy menstrual bleeding is difficult to solve is because it's difficult for people to talk about it. I thought it was really notable that there were clinical findings that a certain percentage of women experience heavy menstrual bleeding. But when a population of women themselves were asked if they experience heavy menstrual bleeding, it was almost half. So I think what that shows is this is such a historically stigmatized and taboo issue. It's really difficult for people who are experiencing heavy menstrual bleeding to advocate for themselves in a healthcare setting. And so just like period poverty is a phenomenon because menstrual equity has really been overlooked, so are disproportionate healthcare outcomes like iron deficiency. And so I was really glad that the idea of privacy and stigma was brought up here because I think that that's where period stigma not only can keep folks from accessing the products they need, it can actually keep them from living a healthier life. And one of the things that's really important to understand about our mission is this isn't really a fringe issue. Nearly one in four 
United States students are unable to afford or access period products. It's a pretty monster issue. And so when you look at numbers like that and you compare it to half of women are reporting heavy menstrual bleeding, this is a fairly large issue that we really need to tackle, both from a social and policy place and also from the healthcare place. Absolutely. And thinking about the connection to heavy menstrual bleeding and then its impact on the broader society because it can cause um, iron deficiency and anemia in otherwise healthy reproductive age women. Do you find that heavy menstrual bleeding is talked about frequently by your members on the platform? Yes and no. I think that period offers a place for young people in particular to be open about their menstruation and ask questions in a place where they may not otherwise be. And so because of that, we do hear stories of heavy menstrual bleeding and people come to one another in our community for advice. But frankly, many, it's not talked about enough. We do a lot to destigmatize menstruation so that young people can ask for product, can talk to their family and friends and healthcare practitioners if they notice anything abnormal. But I don't think that we necessarily do a good enough job about stating what is abnormal. And so that's kind of the next challenge. The first is to destigmatize this enough to get people chatting about it. And the next is to really interrogate both ourselves and the community talking about menstruation and to say, well, what is heavy menstrual bleeding? Is this just something that I hear is normal in my family or I've never heard anyone talk about it, so I don't know if this amount is normal and how much is too much? So that's why I'm really excited to see webinars like these and just bringing up this conversation to a larger community because so much is known and so much is uncomfortable in some communities to talk about. We are not healthcare providers at period, so we don't necessarily get into iron deficiency. But what we do focus on is how to help people be their own self-advocate by giving them the right language to talk about their bodies and the right channels to go to for help. I'll tell you, being the mother of a young woman, this really hits home for me, as well as the fact that you made earlier in that we only know our own period. So it really does give us a framework to start discussing these really important aspects of women's health. So Michaela, as Warren mentioned in the beginning, this podcast series is brought of a part of a broader audience, and we often have many healthcare professionals that are regular listeners to our TKG Insights. Would love to hear from you on what suggestions you have for them on how they could help support this important cause. Well, beyond asking their patients how their menstruation is going and treating it as one of those vital signs, they should also remember that um, a healthcare clinic or hospital is a place of employment. Are they offering period products to folks that work there? And are they offering it to people who interact with their facilities? So patients and their families, um, do they have, do they truly have period products on site available for people that aren't in some back closet somewhere, but they're actually in the bathrooms? It's amazing to me how few hospital systems and clinics really choose to offer it or, or understand that it might be needed. Another question to ask patients is, do you have access to period products at home? And if they don't, send them home with some because it will keep them uh, safer and healthier. So there's a lot of different ways that I think they can bring 
menstrual equity um, into these conversations. But knowing that number, one in four United States students can't access period products, that's really important for a healthcare professional to know and to think about, right, when they're talking to someone, especially about managing their periods. Wonderful suggestions. So I'll leave you with this. What call to action do you think is needed to really increase the awareness around heavy menstrual bleeding and its connection to iron deficiency and anemia globally? Well, we have to keep talking about periods. We have to keep talking about periods in our families, in our clinics, with our patients, in our workplaces, because we don't know what isn't normal. You know, when I talk about encouraging self-advocacy with young people, that is so much easier said than done. Sometimes we have these internalized stigmas where it's one thing to talk about periods in a group, but as soon as people ask you about your own period, you don't have the language. And so we need to get to the point where we can really openly talk about it. How close are we to healthcare practitioners and clinicians asking everyone that comes in about their period and considering it a vital sign? How can we start to normalize this conversation? You know, over half the world menstruates. And by some of these numbers, up to half of them experience iron deficiency potentially with heavy menstrual bleeding. So it's a much bigger issue than I think it's ever been given credit for. And so I just encourage everyone listening here to try to interrogate that stigma in themselves and get over it. If they are a parent or they work with people who are experiencing menstruation for the first time, start to talk about real symptoms and the real experience of menstruation, not simply what it is. It's one thing to have these resources to share with people, but if we're not really absorbing them ourselves to understand how it affects our bodies, it's not going to make a lot of difference. I think one of the things that was really interesting to me about the webinar was that it made me realize barriers to care. As a nonprofit professional, I often think of barriers to care as things like cost, transportation, uh, fear, history of medical racism cultural uh, histories and cultural traditions that might keep people from seeking care. But stigma itself is a real barrier to care if they know how to seek care, but then they can't even talk about it when they get there. So as part of equipping and training young people to destigmatize menstruation, it really includes their own menstruation. So thanks for asking that question, Mindy. The answer is just keep talking about it. Absolutely. And I hope this is just one of many conversations we can have. Truly thank you for continuing to bring period health um, to the forefront as an important contributor to overall women's health and quality of life. Thank you. Thanks, Mindy. Thank you for tackling this topic. Okay, well, that wraps up another week of TKG's Healthcare Insights. Thank you for joining us. If you are interested in the information or topics referenced in this episode, please email me and I would be glad to share these details with you. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please press the subscribe button. We welcome your other suggestions, ideas, and requests for podcast topics of interest as well. Please email us at insights at thekineticsgroup.com and write insights podcast in the subject line. Thank you. Have a safe and healthy day. You've been listening to TKG's Healthcare Insights, a program produced by the Kinetics Group. 
TKG empowers life science companies to effectively engage with health system and payer customers by developing strategies and real-world solutions aimed at impacting the right patient at the right time with the right care. We also work directly with health systems and payers to address the critical issues of our time. Please note that the views and opinions expressed by the guests on this episode are those of the guests and do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of the Kinetics Group and our staff, clients, or customers. We would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at thekineticsgroup.com. Have a safe and healthy day.